KXDX FM, Pittsburgh's Rock and Alternative. Everybody is going nuts, though, over the Steelers' throwback uniforms. From 1978, Super Bowl thirteen. There's a grand slow to make the throwbacks the Steelers' permanent jerseys, which only confirms in Pittsburgh, older is always going to be better. And thank God, because I'm old and getting older. But I'm sorry. I just can't get excited about the font being used for the numbers. Woohoo! Block numbers! I'm sorry, but I just don't think that's remotely important or some big degree of cool. Yo, Pittsburgh, listen up. The jerseys from 78 are coming back. Not the team. Not the players. Not me, Joe Green, and Franco. But the jerseys. And unless a couple of those jerseys can play inside backer, to quote Bill Murray, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Hey, Steelers throwback jerseys. Guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing Cotton on a name you can trust. These jerseys are sure badass. They should wear them all the time. I really like the block numbers. The block numbers get me sexually aroused. That's basically what I've heard about these friggin' jerseys in so many words. And the block number thing is just like, You've all gone overboard. Way overboard. 412-333-9939. I read the the starting lineup for the Pirates a bit earlier tonight at St. Louis. Don't forget I'm 1-0 in attendance. You people should want me to go more. I won't. Well, I will go again. You know what I wish I knew? And it's so sad that I'm rich and famous and everybody wants to talk to the super genius. If I knew I could sit like in the outfield, and A, nobody's going to show up. So there'd be pretty room to spread out. You know, you know, like, the are all the outfield seats general admission? I know the bleacher seats are in left field, but I think the seats in right field, above the Clemente wall, I think they're reserved. I'd love to sit out there if I knew nobody would bother me. But I don't know that, so back to the Cambria Club every time, which is fine because I really like sitting there and I like like the people who work there as well. Anyway, Polanco's playing tonight. Austin Meadows is not. Let me uh, break down the stats on those two even a bit further than I did a moment ago. As I mentioned, Polanco is 0 for his last 22 with three walks and one RBI. That being the sacrifice fly, which won the game last night. Woohoo! Austin Meadows is 10 for 22. Five extra base hits, including two home runs. 
Four runs batted in. He's even walked twice, and he never walks. I don't know how you put Polanco back in last night, especially after his lazy and stupid play in the outfield that gave a batter an extra base in the first inning uh, last night and pull Meadows. That's bad managing. Maybe there's some split I don't know about against the Cardinals pitcher or whatever. I don't care. Letting a bum play and taking out arguably your hottest hitter right now, that is bad managing. I'm sure there are a lot of Pirate Stooges out there. I'll go to one of the bucko blogs and they'll explain how it's just the right thing to do. If I could, I'd strip Clint Hurdle naked and gaze admiringly upon his body. But I think it's stupid, stupid managing. Here's a couple topics that I just find hilarious. Sticks is out on tour. I don't know with who. I won't go. I mean, they don't stink. I don't like them. Okay, maybe they stink. I mean, like, I really like Tommy Shaw in Damn Yankees. I just don't like Sticks. Dennis DeYoung, J.Y. James Young's a big sports fan. He used to come on the show back when. But I'm just, I'm just not a Sticks fan. The other day, for the first time in 35 years, they played the song Mr. Roboto all the way through in concert on the first date of this tour. Why'd they do that? First off, the song stinks. Second off, the concept album Mr. Roboto broke the group up because the young wanted to do it, uh, the singer and keyboard player. He wanted to like branch out into rock theater, so to speak, and everybody else hated it. Now they're playing as an encore. This also funny. There is a groundswell out there in the wake of the Roseanne show being canceled because of the racist tweet by Roseanne Barr. Samantha B called the president's daughter the C-word. That, that's okay, though. No problem. Is racism worse than calling somebody the C-word? Yes, racism is worse. Should they both be equally unacceptable to a network? Yes, they absolutely should be. Anyway. There's a groundswell to kill off Roseanne's character and continue the show and call it the Connors. Now, I didn't think Roseanne would want that and wouldn't allow it because she owns the show. She created all the characters. But then again, if they do that, she keeps getting paid. Not as much, but she keeps getting paid. And if you keep the show alive, well, put it this way. If I was the showrunner, and I had a chance to keep the show alive without Roseanne, I wouldn't kill her off. I'd have her leave Dan, and, you know, she's gone, and Dan's grieving, and that's where you, you know, her, her, her leaving, not dying, but leaving, and that's where you start the show. And then someday, if this blows over, you bring her back and pop huge numbers. You'd pop huge numbers now because of the wake of the controversy. Imagine if you bring her back. And if you don't think America would ever forgive her, America loves a comeback. Loves a comeback. Uh, anyway, and that got me thinking. I, I looked up online times that a character got killed off a TV show because he felt he or she fell out of favor with the with the producer showrunner, whatever you want to call it. One obvious example: Charlie Sheen getting killed off Two and a Half Men. And now he is campaigning for a reboot of the original Two and a Half Men. 
Chuck Lorre still hates him, so that will never, ever happen. Here's one I bet you didn't remember. In Cheers, remember Carla was married to Eddie LeBeck, the Bruins goalie played by Jay Thomas, the comedian and radio host? And then he died in a freak Zamboni accident. And you didn't see him that episode. Carla got the news by phone. Eddie was on the road uh, skating in a costume with the ice capades, and he died in a freak Zamboni accident. You know why he got killed off the show? Because he was still doing radio in L.A. And he complained on air about having to kiss Rhea Perlman. And Rhea Perlman said, he gots to go. Go. That sucker's gots to go. And, you know, Jay Thomas died not too long ago. And I found his work both, uh, you know, all his all his things he did, radio, comedy, and TV, great. I used to listen to his show on Sirius. He had a weekly show on Sirius. But, boy, he's a guy who didn't know when to shut up over and over again. And so am I, but not to that degree. I'd have kissed Ray Perlman. I'd have, yeah, I would have, to keep that job. Actually, you know what, too? There's kind of a sauciness about her that translates to sexiness. I'm saying that in case they're casting for Rhea Perlman's husband on whatever TV show she might be on now. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We've got Xbox Sean Waltman at the bottom of the hour, 105.9. A dumb, but do go on. The X at 105.9. Okay, we've got Sean Waltman at the bottom of the hour, we think. Had some problems getting a hold of him at 3.30, but he's going to be good for 5.30. Some communication breakdown. So let me reset and take some calls. If you'd like to talk about anything, it would be just terrific. Oh, I said this today on his show, but congratulations to Stan Savard who got inducted into the Pirates uh, Media Wall of Fame, which had six people in it. For like the last 35 years, now they inducted Stan today and some jag off too. So congratulations to Stan Saverin. And what I'm told was a tearful ceremony with Guy Junker doing the honors inducting Stan. You know, I hate to say this. There's there's not too many halls of fames I'd like to be inducted into. I'd like to be on the wall of the Penguin Press Box. I think I really deserve it, but I got to be honest, I don't think the people who run the team would agree. The people who own it might. The people who run it, I don't think so. It's only Mike Lang and Dave Molinari. But really, has there been a more faithful servant of the cause in Pittsburgh media than me with the Penguins? Because don't forget, I'm the only guy to this day, to this very day, that puts the Penguins first. Everybody else, Steelers first. On the B team, they have to put the Pirates first. I've always put the Penguins first and always will. So I'm in my own personal Hall of Fame. I'm in two Halls of Fame now. They're both a deck hockey Halls of Fame. As a coach and as a builder. One in Boston, one in Toronto. I went to neither induction ceremonies because, come on, that's a long way to go to be inducted into a deck hockey Hall of Fame. I'm not in the Shiller High School Hall of Fame. I'm not in the Duquesne University Hall of Fame. And they can both kiss my ass. Especially Shaler. Not Duquesne so much. But Shaler. Duquesne's just kind of forgot I went there, I think. <laughs> I kind of get that. 
Let's go to Dan in Indiana. Dan, you're on with Double M. Dan, you there? Like it appears we don't have Dan. Dan was going to talk about the NBA Finals, so maybe it's better we we don't have him. That starts tonight. I have never gone in to a sporting event where I was so absolutely certain one team was going to win and win in a fashion that embarrasses the other team. You know, you know what prediction I always hear? I never heard this term before. I'm going to use it, though, moving forward. You know what term I've heard used for predicting the NBA Finals? It'll be a gentleman's sweep, four games to one. In other words, you don't want to embarrass them by just sweeping them right out. You kind of take your foot off the gas and they win a game. But a gentleman sweep four games to one in favor of Golden State. And then LeBron will go off. I, I, I can't believe anybody still likes LeBron. He's going to go off, leave Cleveland like a cheap hooker, go to Philadelphia, sponge off the young great players there. I just, he's the greatest basketball player of all time. He's a terrible teammate. And I wouldn't want him on my team. He ran off Kyrie Irving, made Kevin Love have a breakdown. I just think he's a terrible teammate. Let's go to Dan in Indiana. Still there, I hope, Dan. You're on with Double M. Hey, what's up, Mark? Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think it's going to be the Warriors, but I don't even think Cavs won a game in this series. Um, but also, I, I, you forgot about one show back in the day, Valerie Bertinelli's show. It transitioned to Hogan Family. It actually Valerie Harper. Oh, Valerie Harper. Sorry, not. Yeah, not she wanted too much money. They got rid of her, but that was a pretty bad show. Valerie Bertinelli was one day at a time. Who else was there? Mackenzie Phillips. Does that sound right? Bonnie Franklin, Mackenzie Phillips, Valerie Bertinelli. Valerie Bertinelli became America's sweetheart because of that show, and married Eddie Van Halen and started doing blow. Um, what was the guy's name who played Schneider? It was Pat something. Yikes. Let's go to Mike in Bethel Park. Mike, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Yeah, so I really hate to talk about the NBA. Um, I don't like it at all, but I really need to get your opinion on this one. Do you think four years in a row now, Cleveland versus Golden State is bad for the NBA at all? Yeah, I do. Don't you? Oh, heck yeah. But then again, I don't watch this, but I just need The one thing every league sells is hope. And when the same two teams meet in four straight finals, you have eliminated the concept of hope for a lot of the teams in the league. Maybe like Houston out West feels they can still do something. Oak City, their window's closed. In the East, it's such a bad conference, I can't believe. I mean, look at Boston. Missing maybe their two best players. They still made it to the seventh game of the conference final. But but no, I, I don't think it's good. But the networks are happy. Because you're oh, talking yeah. you're talking unbelievable star power in this final. And it's a rare occasion where the best player in the game looks like a decided underdog and really is a decided underdog. You know what it's reminiscent of? And I don't remember this. I've read about it. This reminds me like of the 60s, late 50s through the 60s, when the Celtics won every championship, but Will Chamberlain was the best player in basketball. And he played for Philadelphia, then the Lakers. And, and the Celtics always beat Wilt in the final because they had the next 10 best players. Like, their sixth guy off the bench was better than anybody else's best player. And if I'm exaggerating, it is only by a little. 
Thank you for the call. Okay, Schneider was uh, Pat Harrington Jr., and he's dead. They always used to, oh my God, there's a new one day at a time? I'm Googling like crazy here. It's on Netflix because, of course, everything is. When did it premiere? Anyway, Pat Harrington Jr. played Schneider. I thought it would have been great because that, that show explored some different, like, like Mackenzie Phillips said, premarital sex, and she ran away with her boyfriend, and she did drugs, and, you know, she was a handful, that Mackenzie Phillips. And the other sister, uh, they were the Coopers. Valerie Burton was Barbara Cooper. I forget what Mackenzie Phillips' his name was on the show. But I always thought a good story would have been if if, uh, if Bonnie Franklin, the mother, walks in, Ann Romano, and walks in on Schneider banging Mackenzie Phillips. Not Barbara Cooper. That would go against the grain of Barbara Cooper's character. People could understand. Like, you know, at first you'd be shocked when you see Schneider, you know, naked in bed with Mackenzie Phillips. Then you'd say, ah, you know what? You know what? I bet this ain't the first time either. I bet, you know, older guys many times, I I just see it. Let's go to Jeff in Mars. Jeff, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mr. Madden. How you doing? Terrific. Hey, I know how much you love the NBA, but I think they're associated with this current championship. I, I, I find the irony associated with LeBron getting dominated by a team that was developed with recruitment of superstars be well, right, LeBron won in Miami with a recruited super team, and now he's getting beat by the same thing in Golden State. You're right, there is some irony. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's the one who started this whole process of a superstar going to another team, and now he's getting dominated by the exact same... Example. Well, and that's what sucks about the NBA, because you only need, like, three guys to win, three great guys. You don't have to draft, you don't have to develop. In the NBA, you literally can go out and buy a championship... And that was reinforced when Kevin Durant went to the one team he shouldn't have gone to. And don't get me wrong, I don't blame him for going there. It guaranteed him glory, money, championships, the whole nine yards. It would have been better for basketball had he stayed in Oak City or gone just about anywhere else. Thank you for the call. Okay, I'm looking up the uh, the cast of One Day at a Time here. Okay, uh, oh, Mackenzie Phillips was Julie Cooper. Julie and Barbara Cooper, they eventually married. Uh, Richard Mazur was uh, the lawyer who dated Bonnie Franklin. Pat Harrington Jr. was Dwayne Schneider. And after that, they were just a bunch of idiots. Uh, actually, uh, Bonnie Franklin banged up, uh, at the end of the show, her boyfriend. I don't know if they got married... I can't figure this out. Oh, the guy who married Barbara Cooper was Mark Royer. And his dad started banging Bonnie Franklin. And that was Howard Hessman, better known, of course, as Dr. Johnny Fever. And Boy, I'll tell you what. Howard Hessman showed up everywhere, hasn't he? He was a regular on that 70s show. He played, of course, the rock radio station manager. Up next, from WWE... X-Pac, coming to town to speak at a, uh, at a, how would I describe this? I had it written down. He's at the Castle Shannon Fire Department Saturday, 
Oh, he's talking about his recovery from addiction. That's X-Pac up next on 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Damn it, I'll be popular in Pittsburgh yet. Hey, Mark, ball fan. I think i got to start with pulled pork nachos. Hey, super genius, how you doing today? Fantastic. The X at 105.9. Thanks, guys! X-Pac! Thank you for telling us what to do. Yeah. My guest right now is a recovering addict, and we'll speak about that Saturday at 1 p.m. at the Castle Shannon Fire Department. It's presented by Breaking the Cycle, Communities Against Addiction. From WWE and WCW, he is X-Pac. He is the one, two, three kid. He's the lightning kid if you want to go way back. He is Sean Waltman. Uh, Kid, first off, great to talk to you. Uh, Let's talk about this appearance. How long have you been sober? Uh, It's great, and it's kind of escaping the wrestling cycle, isn't it? Yeah, man. Um, Thank you, Mark, for having me on. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I got connected with this uh, uh, drug treatment center called Blueprints for Addiction Recovery. Uh, excuse me, recovery. It's in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, and um, and I live out here in LA now, but I, I still got them. And uh, we're going around to different towns, um, mainly in Pennsylvania right now, and just talking about you know to having town halls and talking to people about how to you know. Uh, break the cycle of addiction and, and mainly right now it's uh you know the focus is on the on the op- opioid epidemic mark now what do you tell people who want to get into recovery because it, it's definitely not easy it's not man and and there's there isn't one right way uh to do it like i mean uh you know there's 12 step there's different uh state-based uh uh recovery programs and um you know things like that and uh also, uh, you know, I just, I don't like to, I don't like to say, you know, this is the right way to do it or that's the right way to do it. It's, right. You're not a you preacher. Know, I, exactly. I, I know. Exactly. Uh, so I just, um, you know, the main thing is just to try to get the, uh, some information to people that are going, you know, through this or their, their family members or, or loved ones. And, and it's really scary, man. People are dying so fast. And uh, we gotta we gotta step outside the box here with our thinking on on how to how to deal with this because what everyone's been doing so far is you know we working that well. So now let, let's go back and talk about your wrestling career. I, I was uh, I looked some information up on you on Wikipedia, of course, because we all know how true that is. And you're 45, <laughs> and you started yep. wrestling when you were 17. Was that good or 15. bad? What are, 16, 16, right? Mark. Lightning Kid is 16. What are the pros and cons of starting so incredibly young? Well, the, obviously the pros are you get a head start, uh, you know, on on everyone you, you, um, and that. But but wow, Mark, you know, to be to to put yourself in that world with all these you know grown ass men and, and women, and uh, and it's just it's a obviously you know more than anyone that how you know how rough of a uh, industry it is. Oh yeah, my God! I got into it in my in my early thirties, and I was intimidated. You know, I can imagine yeah. at sixteen. Yeah, and then it's just this when you're that young and you, you know, trying to fit in. I mean, because it's 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 incredibly important to fit in in the wrestling industry, and so you know you get caught up in things and and uh, and you know, like I said, I was I was trying to fit in, and, and you end up. Uh, plus, I had a a predisposition to be a drug addict and alcoholic. You know. Uh, going into things. Well, I know so, you had a relatively unsupervised childhood, correct? Yeah, yeah. 
and and that's just it, Mark. You know, we a lot of people blame the wrestling industry, but um, you know, so many of us bring this baggage into wrestling with us already. You know, it attracts some pretty strange people. <laughs> well, yeah. Need, needless to say, uh, in fact, two of them are talking on the radio right now. Uh, now, you worked in WWE when it was great, and with WCW when it was at its very best, its absolute yeah. peak. Compare the two when times were good, because really, I think you have a unique perspective. You were really only in WCW when it was good. Yeah, uh, I mean, I obviously like right at the beginning of the whole NWO uh, boom. <laughs> And, and I, I was there for a pretty good portion of that. And uh, um, I, I was grateful for that, Mark. Um, it, was, it was a really good experience, but a lot of it was, was, was hard, too. Just, uh, there's a different mentality down there. And, and uh, I don't know, man. It's just, I, like I said, I'm grateful for it. I, I really thought, uh, I, I really, I just enjoyed uh, WWE more. Uh, well, WWE, I, mean, I think, was run more like, especially then, more like an old-school wrestling company. And, you know, you had already been in the business for well over a decade at that point. That's what you were used to, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there was, you saw how, how unorganized WCW was. Like, when I was in <laughs> Yeah, GWF, I, I really like, did. <laughs> yeah, and, and like that GWF stuff I did in Dallas, the Sportatorium, was more well-organized. Uh, honestly, like it was, it, it was crazy. Like we, I remember like, like half an hour before Nitro would, would start, sometimes be ripping up the, the, you know, ripping things up and, and rewriting the whole show. Oh yeah. I remember this didn't happen when I was on TV, but I remember they would be sending script pages out to the announcers while the show yeah. was in progress. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just chaos, you know, and, uh, and the difference between, WWE was just that, like everything was more organized. Like uh, they did a better job of like regimenting like your schedule and just like you know they were babysitters for me in WWE in a lot of ways. Mark, right, right. And uh, when you, you know? returned, you wound up in, not too long after with the Generation X, which is one of the most recognized factions ever. I mean, kid, you were in NWO and the Generation X. Those are two pretty good things to have on your resume, aren't they? Yeah, man, I'm pretty. I'm I'm really grateful for that. Uh, I, I, it was a pretty unique, uh, you know, place to be, and and I was able to use that MWO uh, uh, run. Like, uh, you know, when I got fired, I was able to use that against it. You know, uh, and uh, and you know, with the whole DX thing. And we, like, Eric Eric Bischoff has that podcast, eighty three weeks now. Right, right. About the eighty three weeks, WCW had the higher ratings. Yeah, this week he was just talking about uh, about the whole thing where he fired me and I ended up back in uh, WWE and all that. It's pretty interesting, actually, and I respond to it in my in my show. Now, now what what I haven't heard it yet. What did he say about you? Oh, it was just his his version of 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 uh, firing me and what he th- what he said the reason was, and you know he said it was because I reneged on my deal, which isn't true. I asked for a raise. Uh, and, and that, but, uh, you know, we already had a contract signed or not a con, but a deal memo, which is basically the same thing. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, him and him and I have a difference of, uh, of how that went down, but I like Eric. I yeah, I, 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 really I do. do. I do too. Did you hear what he said about me on that podcast? 
No, what did he say? He said, he said <laughs> well, I like Mark Madden, but he was difficult to manage and often went into business for himself. And I said, hey, you got me. What can I say? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I mean, what else were you supposed to do down there? <laughs> we're talking to Sean Waltman. He's going to be at the uh, Castle Shannon Fire Department talking about his recovery from addiction. That's Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, what's your take on wrestling now, kid? Because I personally don't like it, but I'm 57. Maybe I'm not supposed yeah. to like it. It, it. it might be just for a different audience now. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's it. But I still think there's something for, for people like you, Mark. You know, like, and, and I, and I'm, a lot of ways I'm like you. I like the, the way it was. But uh, I, I do enjoy a lot of what's, what's being done now. You know, like, like you said, it's not for everyone. And maybe the, the older wrestling band might not get into a lot of this stuff now. But uh, I think that it's alive and well. I, I don't think it's fair to compare it to the, the boom period in the past. No, it's not. You're right. Things are, things are so different now. But I, I think it's I think it's healthy, Mark. I mean, as far as people making a living and you know and all that, you know, on professional wrestling. What's your take on like uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan trying to get a foothold to the U.S. and and Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks doing that big independent show? I, I, I think I see some new things coming to fruition. But I, I just hope WWE doesn't kill him off. Yeah, I, I don't think they will. I, I don't think they, I don't think they'll be able to, Mark. I think this is pretty a pretty strong movement that's that's going on. You know, uh, I was like those guys sold that thing out in under half an hour. Right, the All In uh, Show in Chicago. Yeah, and and that's a UIC Pavilion. We used to be the UIC Pavilion where Flair and Steamboat had their. Oh, uh, that's right! I forgot about that. That's right. That's yeah. what it's called now, the Sears Center. Yep, yep. That's crazy. Plus yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it was done with a, you know, like Rain Mysterio's on the show. There's all kinds of different people that came together for that. And I think that's the kind of the cool thing about wrestling right now is a lot of people outside the WWE are working, you know, together instead of against each other. Right, right. No, I, I think that can be something that gets some, some new stuff off the ground. I'll tell you what I really do like watching now. I'm anxious to hear your opinion. I like the women's division in WWE. I like how they've so legitimized good. the women, and it's booked kind of old school, isn't it? Yes, and that was the thing that uh, that Hunter started, that Triple H started right. uh, when, down in NXT, when, how he was using the, the women down there. And when somebody would ask him, how come this is different? He said, because I use the women and, and write for them the same way you do the men. Right. Right, in you the know, past, and, I think they and, wrote for them like they were strippers, to be perfectly honest. That's exactly, Mark. It, you know, the women's division used to be basically no different than the, you know, not gonna, the, the, the little people's division, you know? It was like a, like a midget, man. I hate to say that they used to No, 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 I, I get what you're saying, but you're right. It was, it was done not within the context of the, of the show, but it, it, like almost like a sidebar, something totally different, not in a good way. Yes. Yeah, for sure, and and there w and there wouldn't be a division. It would just be uh, two women on on the on the show. There wasn't like there was a whole a whole roster of, of women. Well, well, way back when, way back when, it was just Sonny Sable and Terry Reynolds. That was it in WWE. Remember? That's it. Yep. And before that, like, oh yeah, I mean, but they weren't even wrestling. Right. Now, yeah, but I mean, these women, Mark, are they're they're going out there and they're. They're beating each other up as much as the guys are, you know. Uh, 
and 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 just the, this the skill level is as good as as any of the guys I think. Now, uh, kid, how do you feel physically these days? Uh, like I said, you're 45, which isn't old in wrestling, but when you start off at 16, boy, you take a beating after a while, and and you worked a pretty high risk style. One of the first guys to do it, might I add? Yeah, I, I feel really good right now, Mark. Um, uh, I and I shouldn't, man, because I really, really <laughs> abuse my body. And I mean, I have a torn pec and a torn pec tendon right now that that I never had a chance to get. Uh, fixed and you know have some some other issues but i walk around like and and you know i feel pretty good i don't i don't have a lot of uh a lot of um you know pain i deal with right now just because of my diet and some other things that i i do to take care of that you know i mean i mean i'm going to use a phrase you and i've used often on twitter do you feel like you could still have one more run uh as long as it's a sprint and not a marathon mark (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? I have no, I have no desire for a, for a, for one last like long run. Like that's that's a, like that's a man. I don't I don't I honestly don't know. If, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just being honest, Mark. I, like I can, you, you know, you know what's funny? I always think about like you know back when because obviously I, I I didn't take a bump and I didn't work, but like. Just the travel, like when I was traveling full time with you guys. Well, you were already in WWE by then, but like I couldn't believe the demands of the travel. And at fifty-seven years old, I could never do that. Now maybe I'd have a chance if I had never stopped. But but yeah. no, just for you to resume it again full time. I mean, like like you said, I think you could have a series of matches. I don't think you'd want to do it full time again. Is my point? Absolutely, I. That's exactly right. I just yeah, it, it kind of like. It kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit right now, just thinking about full time chess. <laughs> hey, kid, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to see you this weekend for sure. And uh, wrestling doesn't produce many legit friends, but I got lucky with you and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, a great bunch of guys. So it's great to talk to you. Like I said, I'll see you this weekend. I thank you, Mark, and I feel the same way about you, and it's been too long. I can't wait to see you, man. Too long. We'll definitely get together. No no doubt. That is Sean Waltman, X-Pac. The the stuff we got into, wow, that that could take up. We could do a whole show uh, in and of itself. He's going to be at the Castle Shannon Fire Department this Saturday at 1 o'clock talking about his recovery from addiction. And uh, tell you what, if if you're having a problem in that regard, kid knows, man. He knows, and he's getting through, and he's doing a lot better. And uh, it, it is funny because he's 45, and a lot of wrestling stars are like in their 40s right now. I mean, Flair wrestled till he was in his 60s, for God's sakes. But go on. Here's what you do. Go on YouTube. Search Lightning Kid. That's who he was before he was 1-2-3 Kid when he made his big debut in WWE and then later became X-Pac. Lightning Kid. You'll see this guy on Global Wrestling. He mentioned it on ESPN was on ESPN, and he's like 17 years old, and he's doing these crazy high-risk maneuvers before anybody else was. So I'm sure Kid would not mind if I said, to be honest, he's he's an old 45, just like I'm an old 57. Uh, ask Mark anything. Do it now. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Ah, super genius. What were you afraid more of, Satan or teabagging? Sorry, teabagging. Great story, compelling and rich. DX at 105.9.
Actually, I wish Waltman was still on to hear about this because he'd, he'd laugh because it's what we did in WCW. I've stirred the pot with the Pittsburgh media again because early on I talked about that one website where I said it's amateur hour, the guys who are pretending to cover hockey. Except Grove. Bob Grove has a legitimate background, and you know everybody knows the respect I have for him. But uh, but they're all mad, and the one guy, Matt Geica, you know, blocked me, and he's you know blasted me on Twitter, and, and that's okay. But you know, you are what you are, and I know what I am. I'm a seasoned professional who worked his way up, old school, worked for newspapers, worked part time for outlets like UPI, the Washington Post way back when, believe it or not, when the Capitals didn't even send a beat writer on the road. I was their beat writer in Pittsburgh way back when. I did that for a bunch of papers with a bunch of teams. You know, and, and now you just jump on a blog and declare yourself a hockey writer. And I don't buy it. Sorry, but I don't. When you're making a full-time living from one job, well, that's unfair to say, too, because I had a bunch way back when. But I, I'm sorry. I know who's my equal and who isn't. And I just am never going to stray from that. And if you don't like it, well, then block me on Twitter, I guess. I don't know what I'll do if you block me on Twitter. You know what's weird? There's a tag team in wrestling that I like very much, the Young Bucks. They work Ring of Honor, New Japan, and and you heard me and Kid talking about it. They, uh, they, they and Cody Rhodes, who is a friend of mine, they have this big show in Chicago that's already sold out 11,000 tickets, and they did so in half an hour, and it's just an independent show. You know, guys who aren't with WWE. It's going to be a huge crowd, the biggest of its kind for an independent wrestling show. In years. And I used to kid the Young Bucks on Twitter because when I worked in wrestling, when I, in my day, you know, you kind of like to poke the bear and see what the bear could take. One of the Young Bucks blocks me and the other doesn't. And honestly, if they meant to cause me mental confusion, they've done so because I can't figure that out. And they're really good. Somebody out there tell them I said they're really good. Let's go to Steve in the car. Steve, ask Mark anything. Uh, hi, Mark. Um, what is your favorite Mel Brooks movie? Um, you know what's funny? I'm not a big Mel Brooks movie fan from, from one standpoint. The endings of all his movies are terrible. It's like he runs out of film. Am I right? Yeah. Look yeah, how Blazing Settles and History of the World ended. Now, that said... I quote line after line from both those movies. Like the scene with the governor, William J. Lepetamane, in right. Blazing Saddles is some of the funniest stuff ever anywhere. What about Spaceballs? Didn't like it. Really? Dumb. Like, don't forget, I don't like the genre of science fiction. So to parody it, I'm not going to get it like I would if I watched, you know, Star Wars or whatever. I did like the X-rated version, Star Horse. Very good. Let's go to Bill and Bonox. Bill, ask Mark anything. Mark, I was just curious, excluding the McMahons, who would be your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? McMahons wouldn't be on it. Not Vince? No, I mean, he didn't take a bump, did he? He did not, but he took it I mean, to, he was a uh, character. Level. Yeah, he thinks he did anyway. I mean, uh, less people are watching wrestling than ever before in this country. So how much good did Vince McMahon, what, what kind of shape will he leave the business? There's no denying his financial success, none. But I would limit the Mount Rushmore of wrestling to guys who have actually performed in the ring, which Vince did, however, briefly. Uh, Ric Flair. 
After that, it's tough. But Ric Flair is the only guy I'm convinced. Who would your four be? Well, I had Flair for sure. I was thinking probably HBK, and then after that, I was. Uh, well, now see what criteria are you using? Are you using in-ring performance, or are you using drawing power? I was trying to do a mixture of both. Just well, uh, uh, boy, I better not. Uh, okay, then you're wrong about the guy you said, because he didn't have the drawing power of, like, a Hulk Hogan, who was terrible in the ring but drew big money. You see, I'm a big believer that drawing money is the biggest thing. I'm not going to name him Rock Rushmore. See you later. I don't have to. Let's go to Dan in South Hills. Dan. Ask Mark anything. Uh, double M. Uh, top three female rockers from the 70s. We're putting Great Slick in the 60s, so she's out of the mix. And Janis Joplin, obviously, in the 60s as well. Right. I don't know. I can't think of many. Can you? I mean, it wasn't like a women's... I mean, Joni Mitchell was more folk, although she was brilliant. Who would you say? How about the Runaways well, as a group? Well, okay, I'm thinking Patti Smith, Joan Jett. Patti Smith. That, and to quote the great John Lydon about Patti Smith, horses, horses, horse, you know what. <laughs> what, what about Chrissy Hine? Very good. I, I'm not a huge fan of the Pretenders, but they did some good work. Okay. All right. Well, trying to think who who ball. was who were some of the other Go punk ahead. who were some of the other punk girls? Well, you had Susie Quattro. Uh, but yeah, but she did a guest spot on Happy Day, so she's out. Right. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's a good trivia question too. But uh, what was her name on? Know. What was her her character's name on Happy Days? Was she Leather Tuscadero? Leather Tuscadero. That's absolutely right. Okay. Okay. And Howard, uh, Mister C, dreamed that she had a crush on him. <laughs> I gotta go, enough uh, of that In fact, let's wrap this up Kim Thong Un Whammy Good talk, see you out there, 105.9 X.